Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about our first 2022 release. It is the Netflix stop-motion animated anthology movie, The House. And uh, this is a creepy one, a weird one, a really cool one, and I'm excited to talk about it. Joining me is Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year. He was just on the show last week, but we got him back, and uh, I always love having Josh here on the show. So we've got a great conversation coming up. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can, of course, find us wherever you're listening right now, but also, if you prefer apps like Spotify or Pocket Cast or Podchaser or, of course, Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast apps, Good Pods, perhaps, you can subscribe right there. And that way you'll always find out about our new episodes as soon as they come out. Next week, we've got a special episode on the top 10 film scores of 2021 coming out. That's going to be a fun one. So make sure you're subscribed. And while you're at it, if you like what we do here on the show, hit that five-star button. We really appreciate it when you guys do that. And, you know, leave a little review or some of that stuff, too. That's always great. And hit the share button. And follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And maybe check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Lots of cool stuff you could be doing right now. So, uh, anyway, most of all, just thank you so much for listening to Piecing It Together. I'm really excited to be talking about some new movies. So, let's get to the conversation about the house. All right, Josh Bell is with me, and we're going to get weird and creepy, aren't we, Josh? Aren't we always? I feel like that's <laughs> yeah, the I default. Think it feels like it. Yeah, it does seem that way. Yeah, But th- today should be extra weird and creepy, because we're talking about The House, yes. and it's a creepy movie. It is a creepy movie, um, but not yeah. just creepy, I think. Yes. You know, you go into it, at least this was my impression, and you watch that first segment, and you're like, wow, this is creepy. But then it, it shifts into other modes as well. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on here between these three segments and throughout the, the, the entire film. And I was trying to think back on these almost five years of doing Piecing It Together, if I've done any of 
you know, the, these kind of anthology movies with multiple different segments like this, but I, I don't think I have. So it, it should be a, an interesting conversation, a little bit different from usual. Um, but I, I think this is definitely a movie worth talking about. It, it's obviously artistically really, really creative and cool. And uh, I love stop motion animation. I, I know you do too. And it's uh, it's got some really great work as far as that is concerned, the way that this thing was put together. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I, I think regardless of whether all the stories uh, draw you in, that the visuals mm-hmm. of it are just absolutely phenomenal all the way through. It's mesmerizing totally. to watch that. Yeah. So let's start jumping in. And what we will do just for everyone listening, we're going to kind of talk about some pieces that apply to the whole film, some that apply to specific segments, but uh, we'll, we'll mention where they're kind of fitting in as we're going through. But what do you have for your first piece here? All right. Well, uh, I'm going to start. I mean, this is stop motion and we could probably just uh, name a whole bunch of stop motion movies. I'm trying to not I got a do couple. That. Yeah, but <laughs> let's start with one that is uh, to me was the most obvious one. And that is Coraline, Henry Selleck's mm. film. Um, Henry Selleck, of course, is a huge figure in stop motion as the director of, of Coraline and The Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach. And Coraline comes from like a studio that is probably the most well-known stop motion, you know, production company or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's it's huge in that arena. But Coraline also just as a movie, I think thematically deals with a lot of the same stuff here. It's a house that seems at first like it's kind of a sanctuary for this family. But as Coraline explores it more and discovers these passageways it becomes dark and this uh it's a sort of sinister reflection of the happy life that she's had with her family and she explores this Mm -hmm. whole strange world within the house there of course the stop motion in Coraline looks amazing uh as it does in all like movies and and all of Henry Selleck's work Um, And while Coraline is aimed more at a family audience than the house is, it's certainly creepy and disturbing and isn't shying away from that tone and from using imagery that looks kind of cute on the surface to tell a story that's really dark. So I I like Coraline a lot. I haven't seen it, I think, since it uh, first came out, but it's, it's definitely stuck with me. So Coraline. Yeah, absolutely. Coraline, uh, great movie, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas as well. And and that's whole style. And it, it's funny, I, I thought of it as well. I didn't have it on my list, but like, I, I feel like a lot of people kind of of our generation grew up with that stuff as being like this weird, creepy, cool version of animation. And now we're in our 40s or whatever, and we actually get a movie that just is adult and plays to that completely in the same kind of a style, but with something more to say that like kind of appeals to us at this age, I think kind of makes it a, an interesting kind of companion piece in a way. Yeah. And I, and I think, that's true that a lot of these movies like Coraline and movies that Laika makes or Nightmare Before Christmas or whatever, it's like that balance between it's animated, so it has to be family friendly, but the stop motion is an opportunity or a, a, a format in order to do something darker. So this way we get it just the full on uh, darkness. Not that there haven't been other stop motion films sure. that are aimed primarily at adults, and maybe we'll talk about those too. 
So, yeah. Um, yeah. And also, I guess I should say, right, it's I feel like it does apply to the whole film, but especially to the first segment, which is the right. most uh sinister in terms of like discovering things secret passageways and and whatever that's within the house and is the one that also deals with a family so i should get this out of the way really quick did you get i I feel almost stupid saying this but did you get that they were all the same house throughout like because that's what i've read and i didn't get that while watching the movie like i i kind of thought they were so different in their like design and approach and everything that it kind of didn't immediately jump out at me that they were the same. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I was seeing this for review. So the Mm. description of it or whatever that I had read says three stories that take place in the same house. So I think I had that in my mind beforehand. But I do think the house looks the same. I mean, from the outside, it definitely does. And one thing I feel like on the inside, too, because going from like this, the first story to the second story, on the one hand, the house looks really different inside. Mm-hmm. And the second story is all about, you know, the renovation of the house and trying to make it look ultra modern and all that stuff. But I definitely recognized aspects of the layout that were the same, mm-hmm. even if the floors and the walls and the decorations and stuff look different. So, yeah, to me, it it had that kind of continuity, maybe narratively you can't quite connect like how did what happened in the house before relate to what's happening in the house now, but the physical structure did seem the same to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe part of it was the decor. Just there's so much difference within the way that the house is designed throughout uh, the three different stories based on the particular occupants that are in it. And so, so that definitely changes things up. And then of course, you know, not having read any kind of synopsis, I kind of went into this blind. I just knew, Oh, it's a stop motion animation thing with three stories. So uh, it didn't immediately jump out at me, but I will go to my first piece here, and it's kind of the uh, opposite side of that coin of something like Coraline that is family-friendly, and it is another stop-motion film that deals with the dark side of what you can create with with stop-motion animation, and that's uh, The Wolf House, which came out uh, originally in 2018, uh, but didn't really make it here until 2020. Uh, Chilean film from uh, Cristobal Leon and Joaquin Cochina. Hopefully, I'm not train those too badly but uh just a very very super dark and creepy story about a woman hiding out in a house and there, there's lots of horror imagery that it, that's used in this uh, uh, along with a lot of uh trippy visuals and stuff like that and anthropomorphic animals which also comes up throughout this whole film that movie is a lot more fucked up and a lot darker and a lot weirder, but definitely using the form to go into some pretty dark and messed up places kind of ties together these two movies a lot, I think. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie, but I've heard a lot about it and I definitely want to see it. I think it was on uh, Shudder, maybe still is, and maybe uh, somewhere else as well. has been in my queue in various places mm-hmm. for a long time, and I, I'm really eager to see it, but uh, have not watched it yet. It's cool. It's cool. It keeps getting darker as it goes and weirder. And, uh, you know, I like that stuff. So, <laughs> and I do too. That's why I've been, I've been meaning to watch it. And it's very short. So I should just, you know, yeah. something I could fit in probably really for easily. Sure. So what do you got up next? Well, I'll switch away from stop motion for a moment and mention a live action movie. And this is really specifically about the first segment. And, uh, it is the movie Winchester starring Helen Mirren, which is mm-hmm. not a good movie. But (laughs) um, the subject matter of it is and so I almost I feel like 
this movie and then two related things are this whole puzzle piece because it's it's about the Winchester Mystery House, which is a real thing uh, yeah. and is a real house that uh, this woman who was the widow of the uh, man who ran the Winchester uh, firearms company. And yeah. after he died, she built she kind of went a little nuts, more than a little nuts. And she was sure. very, very wealthy. And she built this house that uh, was just continually being built and rebuilt for decades up until she died. And it sort of became this weird, like almost nightmarish structure with passages that go nowhere and staircases mm. that don't connect to things and whatever. And um, so the movie Winchester stars Helen Mirren as this woman and adds a bunch of extra supernatural horror garbage that is not really very good. Um, sure. But the house is such an intriguing artifact that of course you'd want to make a movie about it. I'm surprised there aren't more movies about it. And I yeah. think what happens in this first segment here with this weird, uh, possibly sinister architect who lures this family in to live in this house and it's constantly being changed and rebuilt and they wake up one day and the staircase is gone and there's workers kind of scurrying about everywhere. And that seems like what happened in the Winchester house for decades. Uh, of course, in that case, the person who lived there and the mastermind of the craziness was the same person. Um, so I will say Winchester, the movie and the Winchester, the building. I don't know if you've had a building as a puzzle piece here before. No, I have not. But you're you're, you're absolutely right. And we have gone there, uh, Gina and I. She loves to go on ghost tours and things like that when we go on trips. And uh, we, we have been to to that. And it's uh, I don't really remember it. Because you know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been seared from your memory or something. Yeah, I think the movie erased it. Um, yeah. and, and then I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know what this is. The but. movie is definitely bad. <laughs> I have also been to the Winchester Mystery House, actually. And um, yeah, I remember it's not scary like no. anymore. It's just full of tourists. Um, but it's yeah. cool to see. Um, and I do also want to give a shout out to something about the Winchester Mystery House that's actually more like in line with the house, which is a graphic novel called House of Penance by Peter J. Tomasi and Ian Bertram. And the art style of Ian Bertram is so creepy. And it's it's not hmm. really like, it doesn't look like the the aesthetic of the house. It's it's almost this like woodcutty kind of style, but it really hmm. fits. And it's another horror story about the Winchester Mystery House. And it's uh, focused on characters who are uh, laborers who are hired to work in the house. And it kind of consumes them and whatever. Um, but it's very unsettling and is better than the movie. Uh, better than the movie cool. Winchester, that is. Sure. So yes, a whole suite absolutely. of things related to the Winchester Mystery House there. Yeah, absolutely. We could do a whole episode on that. Sure. sure but <laughs> Awesome. Well, I, you know what? I'll just jump right on top of that with another uh, puzzle piece about mainly the first story and also uh, about a creepy, impeccably, beautifully designed place. And uh, that's The Shining, uh, which another ghost house filled with all kinds of weird stuff happening. Various rooms that you kind of get peaks of the, the strangeness inside and not sure what's real and what's not and of course also here uh we, we get the father figure going kind of mad as the thing goes on and so I, I feel like there's a lot of parallels there with uh everything that happens in stanley kubrick's the shining yeah absolutely and the other thing of course about the shining is that the building doesn't like uh add up 
you know, mm-hmm. they, they, right. they built it all on sound stages and the things don't really, you can't come up with the geography of it in, in your mind because the things weren't actually connected to each other. And it's sure. always, you never really know where people are, where the characters are because it, it changes. And, and that's kind it of gives a it a real nightmare kind of a feel because you just, you, it can't be real basically. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's some cool stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I wonder if Stanley Kubrick would ever make an, a stop motion movie. I feel like he could have been good at that. I would think so. Yeah. I think it might turn out a little bit like the house. Yeah. It, it might. <laughs> it might. So what do you got next? Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go next to some uh, sort of a wacky choice uh, related to the second story. And that is the film Cats, the Ooh. adaptation of <laughs> the musical, which uh, of course is a notoriously terrible film, but, and, and is itself very unsettling, even though it's like not on purpose, it's meant not to be unsettling. Um, oh, yeah. But there is a particular sequence in the film Cats with a whole dance number of uh, insects. And Speaking of things I've blocked out of my memory, Josh, thanks for bringing this back up. <laughs> and it is and it is horrifying, but it is absolutely a precursor to the equally horrifying dance number of the insects in the second segment in the house. And the good thing in the house, of course, is that that is meant to be horrifying. It's meant to be yes. disturbing. <laughs> and of course, in Cats... Uh, it's even maybe even more disturbing in cats because they they have human faces. They're played by Ugh. actors, and it's uh, yeah, it's really uh, it's really awful. But I feel like what if they had adapted cats in stop motion instead? I'm just gonna keep making up new stop motion movies. We got the Stanley Kubrick one. Yeah, we got cats in stop motion. Well, there's not enough, so I, I'm I'm down for this. Yeah, Josh. I'm, I'm down for the more the merrier of a stop motion. Absolutely. All right, but I. Uh, yeah, that segment. Oh my god, that <laughs> is some creepy stuff, man, for sure. Yes. Um, I, I, I'll just again. I'm going to jump right on top uh, with, with another piece here that kind of ties right back to that. And I'm wondering now. I can't remember. I, I'm trying to think back to our cats episode of piecing it together. If this movie came up, uh, but 1996 is Joe's apartment, the MTV <laughs> film where uh, the guy lives in an apartment filled with bugs and the cockroaches. They sing and they do all kinds of stuff. I haven't seen it since back then. It scarred me back then. I doubt I will ever rewatch it unless I absolutely have to. But I do know they sing at some point, and uh, so probably it could have been a piece for cats. But uh, uh, certainly, I thought about it for a piece here. Uh, in this particular segment, um, this guy is trying to sell his house, this this rat person. And uh, the, the house is overrun with these, these uh, I think they called them fur bugs or something like that. But they're... Oh, fur, fur, fur beetles. Yeah. Fur beetles. Yes. Yeah. There you go. And, uh, yeah. And then they, they, they ruin all of his plans and then more things come and ruin, ruin his plans, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But yeah, they're, they're disgusting and they sing and they dance. And, uh, this segment was, was tough. Just like the cat scene. It was tough for me to get through. I, I, I don't know if you know, I am very scared of bugs. So, uh, this was, this was a bit much for me. Yeah. I, I, maybe not to the degree that you are, but I am certainly, uh, scared of bugs as well to some degree. And it was, it was visceral. I think it's hard. Like it worked here because I can't really see bugs as cute, you know? And so yeah. in cats, they're just horrifying when they're meant to be delightful. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, here, uh, it was, it was the right amount of horrifying. 
Yes, absolutely. And I'll throw in one more thing about Joe's apartment. Um, we recently, in an episode, talked about liquid television. I, I do feel like the house is the kind of thing that MTV would have put out in the late 90s. Yeah, I agree. And I had thought of Joe's apartment here, too, but I actually never saw. I went so far mm-hmm. as to look if Joe's apartment was streaming on some service that I had to, to maybe yeah. watch it, but it was not. Nice. And I was not going to pay four dollars to watch joe's apartment <laughs> sure so i left it out maybe uh maybe it'll come up an awesome movie or one day oh god i, I hope we'll not see. yeah we'll see <laughs> what do you got next well i'm gonna stick with this second segment uh and mention uh a short film called bath house that is directed by uh nikki lindroth von Barr, who directed the second segment here And actually, uh, you know, she's made a number of short films and um, almost all of them are available on the Criterion channel. So I went and watched them all. And this one is probably the closest thematically to what's going on in the second segment here, which is all about this flustered kind of, um, you know, functionary person who's trying to run things and and just one disaster after another piles up in his attempt to you know renovate this house and sell it and so Mm bathhouse takes places like at like a public pool where a and it's all anthropomorphic animals again and a a zebra is uh, running the public pool and just one annoyance after another um pops up these uh a gang of rabbits come in and they want to they want to rob the safe but the safe is only full of bottles of chlorine and they <laughs> drop the chlorine and there's fumes everywhere and she has to get the people out and they demand refunds and it's a whole absurdist it's 15 minutes long it's not a you know it's shorter even than the, one of the segments here but that sort of escalating frustration and the absurdity of like you know, the the building is filled with toxic fumes and this person is saying, where is my refund? Um, things right. like that, I think, really fits in. But all of the all of her shorts are really good and, and worth watching if you have uh, Criterion. That sounds great. Uh, it it kind of gets to this this feeling in in this movie through through all of it, but especially the second segment where it, it's not necessarily ho- like scary horror, but more of just like a off putting horror where it's like it, it's like a very real uh, feeling that you can imagine of just, uh, you know, you're just crawling in your skin because of what, what these people or situations are putting you through. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the first segment I think really is scary horror. Like as I was drawing, I was drawing me into that. And I was like, this is freaky. This is really unsettling. Um, And yeah, that second segment is more like that of just the absurd things that keep happening and the inability to extricate yourself from a situation. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. So I will go with another piece here that kind of just goes right along with that and also applies mostly to the second story, uh, a movie that I like to bring up on the show a lot. It is Darren Aronofsky's Mother. Uh, once all these people start uh, showing up at this guy's house that we we mentioned he's trying to sell, these bugs are getting in the way of trying to sell it. Then once some people start showing up that want to see the place, they basically become squatters and then they they invite their friends and they won't leave and very much like mother and uh stay off the sink it's not braced and you know and you just oh you just you're crawling in your skin just knowing like it is going to go bad but these people won't leave and it really connects with that same kind of like i was saying not necessarily scary horror but just 
just crawling in your skin kind of a horror of just leave me alone, please, and let me do my job. And uh, what what Jennifer Lawrence is going through in Mother, in a more uh, straightforward reading of the story is kind of like what this rat character is going through in trying to sell this house. Yeah, I, I had that on my list, but I was waiting because I thought you're definitely going to bring it up because I sure. know how much you love that movie. So yeah. I'm glad that you did. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I absolutely thought of that as well. And especially the whole bit about the sink not being braced, which is absolutely yeah. something that the rat character would say. Hopefully Definitely. he braced the sink because he was trying to sell the house and it was finished. But hopefully he saw a mother and he knew to do that. Right. So. Yeah. But certainly a concern <laughs> that would have been on his mind. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So what do you got next? Well, I'm going to uh, keep on with some more stop motion and... This is, I, you know, it might be more towards the first segment because it's actually a movie that has a lot more in common with, uh, with Coraline, and that is Jan Svankmeyer's Alice, which I feel like is a very strange thing for me to have been brought up multiple times on this show, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I brought it up on a previous episode, and I don't remember which one that is. Um, but Jan Svankmeyer is a, a Czech filmmaker who's known for uh, disturbing stop motion and is certainly... I'm sure a big influence on all the filmmakers who worked on the house because he's a pioneer of that. And his stuff goes back to the eighties or seventies, maybe even earlier. Um, mm -hmm. And Alice is a mix of stop motion and live action. That's a retelling of the Alice in Wonderland story. Um, but you know, again, uh, this child character sort of going down, going down the rabbit hole, you know, going through a portal and discovering a whole hidden world of, terrifying things just beyond her home. And um, it's very unsettling, even though I guess theoretically it could be for children, but it's the kind mm. of movie that children would be scarred by. And yet maybe it would, I don't know, mean a lot to them as well. Those kinds of things you see as a child. Um, sure. But yeah, uh, Svankmeyer is certainly uh, someone who really taps into the surreal uh, disturbing properties of stop motion, uh, and has been doing that for decades. Yeah. I, I, it is an interesting thing to come up on this show multiple times, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I could definitely see how that would, uh, that would apply here. Um, I'll go with also another stop motion one. This one could apply to the whole film overall and the style of it, or also I think definitely to the third segment a little bit. Um, that would be Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa. Uh, another, you know, in the, in that movie, we're dealing with, uh, themes of mental illness and, and grief and, and very, uh, very heavy adult themes done through stop motion animation and, and through a very weird, strange story, very similarly to what we're dealing with here with the house, very strange, uh, types of animation being used to tell these stories that are much more adult in their themes. In the third segment specifically, we've got this, uh, cat you know, creature character that uh, it basically needs to kind of let go of, of her attachment to things, which is very much more of an adult theme, something that adults would have to worry about, not so much kids, although I guess in some situations they, they would. But um, it, it's definitely the kind of thing, though, that you would more so see in a, more of an adult type of a film than something that you would see in more of a children's-style animation film. Yeah, I, well, I, I know how much you love uh, Charlie Kaufman and I, I wasn't crazy about oh, yeah. Anomalisa, but certainly 
it fits in with that whole uh, surreal, disturbing uh, stop motion and the kind of story that you couldn't tell really in a live action movie. It wouldn't work the same way. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, that is uh, I for, I had forgotten about that when I when if I you know, I feel like that's something that should come up when you think of disturbing you know, stop motion or stop motion for adults. And it, it, uh, it slipped my mind, but of course, okay. I, I know you would never forget a Charlie Kaufman film. Never. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so do you have any more that you wanted to bring up? Oh man, I have like five more. Are we, uh, Oh boy. Are, are you, are you tapped out? I, I actually only had one other one here. Uh, well, so, I, can, yeah. I can pare them down <laughs> if you want. All right. I was really, I went to town on this. Um, awesome. All right. Well, I will uh, move on to the third segment then and uh, pick something that is animated, but not disturbing and in fact, wholesome, which I, mm. I think there is an element of that. I think this movie ends with a note of hopefulness after being so disturbing for so long that there is the, the character Rosa, the cat who needs to let go and she is able to. And there's a sense of a potentially bright, if unknown future ahead of her. Um, mm -hmm. So my pick for this is Up. The Pixar film. Um, okay. And primarily because it's also about a house that becomes sort of a vehicle, of course. Sure. Uh, we have the house that eventually uh, is unmoored from its its uh, place and becomes sort of a boat or whatever here at the end of the third segment. And of course, in Up, we have the house that's tied to balloons and it flies to South America. Um, mm. But I think that idea of, you know, a character who is so attached to their home to the point where they're in denial, you know, and up it's the, the city being built all around his house. And he's got the one little house that he's refusing to sell and surrender to progress. And in the house in this segment, Rosa is unwilling to acknowledge that, you know, the entire city is flooded and her house too is about to be flooded, but she's so attached to this home um, that she takes it with her and that uh, Carl yeah. and up also does the same and takes it with him as he goes on a journey and eventually learns to, um, let go of things and move forward. And so thematically, I think it is similar, but also I was just thinking of like, there are movies where houses are like modes of transportation. Sure, yeah. And let me think of one of those. You know, I didn't have this on my list, but I, I'm going to throw a, a curveball here. This kind of undermines a little bit of what I was saying with Anomalisa though, but I'm going to say it anyway, who cares? But sticking with Pixar, I'm going to go with Inside Out just because of a, a very wide range of human emotions that are kind of being explored between these three stories, like you said, with with Rosa needing to uh, to let go, and then uh, in in the frustration of the second story, and then back to the first story of of just all of the fear that that the characters are dealing with of this unknown of this new place, and uh, so there's just so many different emotions that are being uh, explored between these characters uh, throughout the three stories. Yeah, and I feel like Pixar. I don't. I want. I would. Be curious to see if Pixar ever made a movie that was specifically not for children, because I think that could yeah. be fascinating. And I'm sure there are a lot of people at Pixar who have ideas that would work that way that they are not able to do because they make only family friendly films. But I would love to see something like that. I think it could be really cool. If Disney holds back one or two more theatrical releases, they're just going to say, fuck it and do whatever right. they want. Yeah, so. Why not? <laughs> why not? So what do you got next? All right. Well, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up here and uh, just talk about one more movie that relates uh, specifically to the thing as a whole. And that's also mm -hmm. a movie that we talked about recently on Piecing It Together, and that is The Animatrix, 
which is hmm. an anthology animated film in which different directors are kind of all playing within a certain setting or landscape. Obviously, the world sure. of The Matrix is broader than this one specific house, but I think you know it's different from a lot of anthologies, uh, whether they're animated or live action, where you'll look at them and say, what exactly is tying these things together? There isn't a whole lot. But you know, when you're able to give the filmmakers these specific parameters, here is the world that you're working within and now tell your story, um, it makes it more satisfying as a whole. And it also mm -hmm. gives those filmmakers a challenge to how can I tell a story that I'm excited about telling within this world? So, you know, as we talked about uh, the Animatrix, it has more segments than this, obviously. And um, some of them work, some of them not so much. But I think there's a similar energy and excitement. And if there was ever here, I'm going to make up a new stop motion movie. If there was ever a second Animatrix, I would love to see a stop motion segment, maybe from one of these filmmakers who worked on the house. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a, a great piece. I, I, I hadn't thought of that. And we just talked about it. It totally makes sense for playing in that kind of a sandbox and, and getting these different directors together. And yeah, it's, it's a cool one. I, it kind of made me think of one last piece to throw out here, uh, because the other one I was going to bring up, I, I'm going to I'm going to trash that one. I'm putting that one to the side. <laughs> I'd rather bring this one up. It, it, it kind of just goes right to what you were just saying, though. But um it's something that we've talked about here on the show before. It's Room 104, the HBO series from the Duplass brothers. Um, just all, all these very different stories that are taking place in one place. That, that ties them all together in some way. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see if it wasn't so complicated and costly to make stop motion, I could see this continuing with multiple stories uh, that all take place in the same house and just how how wide a range that you could get from one one location. Yeah, it is very, very labor intensive and why, you know, these filmmakers have all only made short films up to this point and, and still are essentially, you know, only making these short segments. I hope this movie yeah. will be popular enough that one or all of these filmmakers will get the chance to make a feature film. Um, I'd love to see. I mean, for me, the first segment in this movie, if it had been a feature film, I would have thought this could be my favorite movie of 2022. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree completely. That that first segment is so damn good. And I think I feel like most people who have been watching this kind of agree with that that sentiment that that, that movie stretched out into a full feature could have really, really been something. Um but as it stands though, all three are quite good and the whole thing is a uh, very a very interesting piece together. But um I'm going to go down the finished puzzle list here, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. We talked about Coraline, The Wolf House, Winchester, both the movie and the house itself. The uh, And you brought up the House of Penance as well. Uh, the Shining, Cats, Joe's Apartment, Bathhouse, Mother, Alice, Anomalisa, Up, Inside Out, The Animatrix, and Room 104. I, I do think that there's so much interesting stuff happening here. We, we didn't even talk about... Um, how they they managed to pull in some interesting voice actors here. I mean, Helena Bonham Carter is so, you know, so tied to this kind of style. You always think of her. Mia Goth is great, and uh, it's interesting. You, you could totally picture just seeing her that she would be in a stop-motion <laughs> thing. It just totally makes sense. And Matthew Good, there's, there's interesting people in here for sure. Yeah, the voice work is great, and I, I thought it was uh, creative to have Jarvis Cocker from Pulp as the, yeah. the, the rat developer. And I love, I wonder what you think 
What did you think of the theme song sung by Jarvis Cocker in the credits of this movie, which is just as creepy as the movie itself? Oh, great, great stuff. Yeah, that that is do not skip this Netflix. Like I want to I want to watch this end credits. I want to hear this song because, yeah, that that is really cool. That's a great song. Yeah. And just the, his kind of speak singing style mm-hmm. that he I, I feel like, you know, there are still not enough movies that have theme songs that talk about the plot of the movie and it's something we need to bring back. And this movie does it. Yeah. I, I always appreciate a good, uh, a, a good plot summary song. That's always a fun thing. So yeah, I, th- I think that does it for the house. Josh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Well, appropriately enough, I'm going to recommend another movie that takes place in a giant creepy house. Um, And that is a movie called See For Me. That's a uh, home invasion thriller recently released on Video On Demand, uh, starring Skylar Davenport as a blind woman who is house sitting in this giant, uh, fancy, rich person's house and is faced with a group of robbers who come in the house to steal uh, something that's in a safe that she doesn't know about. And so... It's I mean, it it goes through a lot of these familiar home invasion beats, but I think the fact that it is the blind character gives it a bit of a twist. Not that that hasn't been done before, Uh, you know, go back to Wait Until Dark, the Audrey Hepburn movie, which we just talked about in uh, Peace to Get Together episode also. Um, But also like Mike Flanagan's Hush, which has got a deaf character. But the clever extra thing they do here with that is what the title refers to, which is an app that this character uses called See For Me, where she connects with, on her phone, uh, a sighted person. And the point of this app is to help like uh, navigate if she's somewhere unfamiliar or she needs to read a sign or something like that as someone will help her. And she has this person on the other end helping her fight off the robbers. Um, and it's mm. almost like the parts of it are shot like a first-person shooter video game because this operator is like directing her what to do, including like pick up that gun, point it here. No, move it slightly over. And so it's a clever take on the home invasion story. And it's got some good suspense. And Skylar Davenport, who is actually uh, a legally blind actor, um, you know, adds some authenticity to that role and uh, does a good Hmm. job with it. So yeah, see for me, check it out. That sounds great. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I I would like to uh, check that one out for sure. But yeah, that's great. Josh, why don't you tell people... uh, What's going on over on Awesome Movie Year right now? So many things happening on Awesome mm. Movie Year. Um, we are oh, yeah. we are in the midst of our 10th season, which is a special retrospective season, looking back at all the years we covered on previous seasons and picking out uh, one movie from each of those years that we didn't talk about to kind of bring back, or not bring back, to look at um, that we missed. <laughs> so jumping around to various years, uh, it's been a lot of fun to cover some stuff that when we plan these years, we often have these very heated discussions about what movies are we going to talk about, what movies we aren't. So some that we almost covered but didn't, we're able to talk about them now. So check out awesomemovieyear.com, uh, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram, and Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter and wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Awesome Movie Year. Awesome. Well, Josh, as always, thanks so much for joining me. And as always, I look forward to getting you back again sometime. You never leave this house, Dave. (laughs) Two actors walk into a bar and, well, what do they do, David? Well, Scarlett, I'll tell you. Two actors walk into a bar and find humour in reality. Two of them fall out and smash on the floor. 
the woman has gone. Well done. Provide opinions on everything they're not entitled to. Oh, wear a mask, you dumbasses. America's fucked. Oh, who cares? <laughs> Biden's in control of a sinking ship. And of course, they drink. I'm doing good. I've had one beer and I don't know what words are anymore. He's on the Fanta fruit twist now. I can see what you're drinking and it is embarrassing. But no, no, no. That's not all you can expect from this podcast. We've got some particularly strange tales to tell. And of course, exclusive stories from the acting world. You came on the stage and you were like, stop it. I'm having to break character. I'm a professional, don't you know? I see you're an actress. Do you snort lots of cocaine, then? Some Oscar-worthy performances from our hosts. Uh, your Waluigi impression is hilarious. Waluigi. Um. <laughs> Good old Boris Johnson, like... Bah, 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 bah. You're smashing them now. You've not even had a drink yet. Oh, I don't believe the king would have said Ooh. that. And a load of drunken waffle. Uh, I mean, intelligent conversation. We're talking about having a weird crush on Colin Firth and suddenly you're shagging a Greg's pasty. My life's exciting. What can I say? So join her, Scarlett Bryant. And him, David McCulloch. Along with a fantastic range of special guests. Bring it on. I can't wait. I mean... Who shat themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I was sang in the prize giving on the Friday, was having surgery on the Saturday. I poured myself some mulled wine for this occasion and I have... You saw me sit down with a full glass. <laughs> I've like just... Because it's like juice, you know? All that and much, much more. In our podcast series... Two, Two actors, actors walk into a bar. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the house. Check it out on Netflix if you haven't yet. And also, if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening right now on your favorite podcast app, just hit that subscribe button, and then you will get all of our new episodes as they come out. Like I said at the top of the show, we've got an episode on the top 10 film scores of 2021 that is coming next week. We recorded an episode on Scream, which is going to be coming soon. And we got lots more to talk about in the coming weeks. So lots of episodes coming your way. Make sure you're subscribed. If you like what we do here on the show, make sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars is great, but we also just want to hear what you think. So leave a little review. Let us know what you think of our whole puzzle pieces format. And if you uh, like the way that the show works, then let us know about it. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And last but not least, don't forget we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where you can always access advanced episodes of Piecing It Together, as well as bonus content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, Josh's podcast, uh, as well as from my music career. And uh, I am currently in the middle of working on a lot of new songs uh, for what is going to end up being my next album. So there will be some stuff hitting that Patreon for my music very, very soon. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. Lots of great content over there. So check that out. And speaking of my music, we always close these shows with a piece of it. So let's go with the track Back Into the Dark. Um, I played this last time we did a movie that had something to do with stop motion animation. I forget what movie it was, but uh, the reason I did and the reason why I'm doing it again is because I actually had a really awesome stop motion animated music video made for this. This visual artist named B. Landers out of Hollywood 
Um, she put together this just insane nightmare of a music video and it's so cool and I'm so proud of it. And it's for this track. This track was on my third album, Head Like Fire. And you can find that video here in the show notes. I posted it, uh, but it's also on my YouTube channel, Music by David Rosen over on YouTube. Uh, so check out that video if you like the house and this kind of like dark creepy stop motion animation stuff you'll definitely like that video uh and i hope you like the song like i said the album head like fire is available out there spotify itunes bandcamp all those places so enjoy it and we will be back with more piecing it together real soon
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.